Welcome to the Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by ParentTrainers.com, presented by Lily Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Sarah Travis. Sarah is a program manager for political party development at an international development nonprofit in Washington, D.C. There, she trains political party members develops frameworks, and provides technical support to the organization's political party programs throughout Africa, Latin America, the Caribbean, and the Middle East. Prior to her work in D.C., Sarah worked at the United African Organization in Chicago, followed by serving the Illinois House of Representatives and the Democratic Party of Illinois. She earned her master's degree in political science from Northeastern Illinois University and bachelor's degree in anthropology from Indiana University, Bloomington. A daughter of Chicago, Sarah enjoys deep dish pizza, biking along rivers and lakes, house music, and during the pandemic, binging the latest reality TV series. So let's not wait any longer. Here's Sarah. All right, Sarah, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to get to know you as like, you know, a lot of my listeners don't know. Um, we've never met. So this is so exciting. Let's get started. Why don't you tell the listeners, where did you grow up and what was the what was your family expectation? And then what was kind of the larger community expectation around post-secondary education for you? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question to start. Um, so I'm from Chicago, the South Side, um, Hyde Park, um, which we probably boast is the homelands of Barack Obama. So <laughs> you can imagine in terms of expectation that that definitely exists there. Um, so he's, you know, the only really um, until 2016, my consistent like elected representative. So, um, and Hyde Park is home to the University of Chicago. Um, It's basically the whole neighborhood uh, on the south side of Chicago. So I think the expectation growing up in that neighborhood in general, where a lot of people are highly educated, and that's kind of the culture of the neighborhood, um, you could say that post-secondary education is something that was expected and something that you do do. Um, But, you know, my family, you know, being raised on the South side, education's always been super important. Um, They came from really, uh, you know, humble means um, growing up. And so, you know, that whole generation of my aunts and uncles, um, you know, really took education seriously and passed that down to, to us and to me, um, my mom specifically, Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, my childhood experience with education in general is something that I was always told to try my best at. Um, And there wasn't really pressure to, like, get all A's or whatever. It was just, like, try try your best. Um, But I think, you know, in terms of, you know, going to college, uh, which I was fortunate enough to do, um, my mom did expect me to do that and made sure I had the tools to, to try to be successful as best as I could. Yeah, that's, that's like the best kind of support you can get from a parent too. like, we expect you to like achieve higher education. Yet, we're also realistic and just saying like, just do, do well, right? Do good, like just move forward with your life. And so I'm curious if you can actually share with our listeners, um, where did you end up going to school? And how was the actual transition into higher education? 
Um, so I went to school at Indiana University in Bloomington, um, and that transition was pretty um, relatively smooth for me. My mom, um, she's passed away now, but was a PhD um, teaching at IU. Um, and so, um, you know, I often grew up in fact, going to her lectures <laughs> because the classroom was my childcare, right? And so I'm in I'm in lecture <laughs> growing up. And so that transition to college, especially at IU where she had taught for so long, um, was very natural and easy to me. Um, and I think while I was there, I definitely, um, you know, that, that scene, that situation was really great for me. Um, I met a lot of great friends, people who I'm still friends with today. Um, and I guess you can notice that I'm focusing on socializing <laughs> because I did a lot of that and, and probably <laughs> uh, often took priority for me. But um, but yeah, no, IU was great. It, it, it was a great place for me to kind of learn about different cultures and languages, which is something that um, I grew up really fascinated with and definitely like influenced where I am today. So I think IU was like a really great place for me to start exploring some of the things that I've always been super curious about. Yeah. Well, and it's, I'm so impressed too, that you're saying like, look, this, this was my, that was my childcare growing up. So like, I imagine that you probably didn't picture yourself or feel comfortable on any other campus as much as you did there because you had so much history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, you know, being in Chicago, I think the big, kind of public school to go to is definitely U of I, University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And so I, you know, a lot of my friends were going there, but, you know, because of my mom's, you know, history and me kind of growing up in the IU system, uh, go Hoosiers, uh, <laughs> IU was just <laughs> as much home to me as, as you know, Urbana-Champaign would have been, even more so because of that. Oh, that's awesome. Well, in, you're not in Indiana anymore. No. Because you filled me you filled me in on that earlier before we got started on the podcast. So I'm curious to actually like fill in the listeners on all of the things. You know, what did you actually graduate in? What was your degree from Indiana? And then also thinking about like what was the transition into the adult world? What have you been doing? What are you doing now? Yeah, uh, thanks. So I graduated with a bachelor's in anthropology, again, going back to this like super curious mind about different cultures. Um, you know, I grew up kind of teaching myself Hebrew at like a very young age, which is very strange, I think, for most children. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that makes sense for, you know, my my degree in anthropology, kind of like carrying that through. Um, but since then, I mean, I think, you know, if we're talking about like challenges, right? Because for right now, I think my experience sounds pretty rosy. Um, but for me, like the challenge, you know, in my last year of undergrad was that my mom passed away and she was a single parent. And that for me was a really transformative experience in many different ways. I think my life could have gone a lot of different ways, um, you know, um, given that given that experience. But since graduating, I was lucky enough to be surrounded by a lot of community and being supported through a lot of community care through 
my you know family, my friends, even some professors who knew my mom at, at IU. Um, and since then have, you know, obviously luckily graduated. <laughs> that was, that mm-hmm. was not all, that wasn't a given at that time, given what I was going through. Um, and I, you know, graduated and I started working, I moved back to Chicago, started working at a nonprofit that helps uh, African immigrants and refugees kind of access social services. Um, and then kind of transitioned into politics where I worked for the Democratic Party of Illinois and then the House of Representatives. And kind of those three experiences kind of let me hunger or crave education more. So I decided to go back to school for my master's degree in political science um, and did that for a couple years, graduated. Um, and now I'm in D.C. working um, at a nonprofit that that basically is uh, helping our partner countries and partner organizations around the world to enhance and strengthen their democratic norms and standards. So, um, you know, that experience, that international experience at that first nonprofit that I went to that I worked at in Chicago Pairing that with the politics and the government <laughs> that I did before grad school, and then the degree ultimately culminated in this work that I'm doing right now, which is so fascinating too, because we're we're in such a divided yeah. place right now, and especially it it feels like depending on you know, I'm not for the division. Let me be clear in saying that. I think that actually it's important for us to really to talk about how this is a democratic country for a reason and democracy mm-hmm. in itself is, depending on who you ask, in jeopardy. And so it's just kind of interesting that that is the work that you're doing. But I'm also kind of curious, too, just based on, you know, having sought the services that you sought in terms of support when your mom passed away and being a a child who ultimately pre-college diploma ended up losing their only parent like that's that informs your perspective growing up. And so I'm just kind of curious if you can if you're willing to even share a little bit about kind of how maybe you use that lens and the work that you're doing today. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, I mean, I think I, I, for me, for my experience, like losing, you know, a parent is, you know, your mom, your only parent is a really traumatic uh, event. And I, and her legacy for me was really important to, to maintain and build on. And, you know, she, she was a social worker. And so she was always in the community, like providing therapy to people, like very community driven. And I felt like, you know, I, since I grew up in the classroom, since I grew up in her practice, like it felt natural to me to build out that legacy in a way that made sense for me and my own interest. And so through her passing, I, you know, had to grow up very quickly. Um, I had to figure out how to graduate. <laughs> like, you know, when there, when that motivation was like not there at all. I yeah. mean, if you can take like senioritis times plus trauma, it's like, it's, it's not an obvious thing um, to do, right? Um, and so like, I feel like my experience navigating that my mom's passing and the legacy that she had inspired me to chart my own path in a way that was 
also thanking her, I guess, for what she had done for me and my siblings. Yeah. And that's, I am so glad that you actually mentioned that piece about, you know, add senioritis plus trauma. Like it isn't a guarantee that you were going to graduate. I'm sure at the time too, you were even questioning whether or not you would have the ability to focus and actually, you know, just like it's almost this space and this is what trauma does. You just kind of compartmentalize. And then as we know, grief and trauma is so fluid in itself that it shows up in ugly ways at inopportune times. And it just takes so much work as a young person, especially to, to heal from that. But then also I love how you uh, continue to talk about your mom in terms of her legacy, because that's such a compassionate way to reflect on that experience and how at the time it it was upending, right. And probably was, I'm going to go out on a limb and say devastating. For sure. Uh, Yeah. And um, just brings you to where you are now, which I also, I like to ask my, my guests this because I think it's, I mean, the the title of this podcast is ridiculous sometimes like, okay, let's, let's be an academic and, and play on words. The idea of success truly is dependent on who is, who is the interpreter, right? Like it is completely subjective and it's based on your values. It's based on your bias. It's based on your experiences. Um, and yet as a society, we continue to like shove everybody through this very single path and saying, this is the only way in which success truly exists, which is baloney. (laughs) So I'm curious um, if you see yourself as successful where you are and what you're doing right now. I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel myself as like a really successful young black woman in America. I mean, there's like literally so much adversity just by how I exist in this world. And so for me to be able to, to like access my dreams, I know not only consider myself successful, but also extremely privileged, like to be able to still, you know, access education, finish education, right? Like for a lot of people, if you lose a parent, I mean, you get to work, right? Like, especially if there's other families and, you know, siblings, et cetera. So I consider myself successful and extremely privileged. I mean, just going back to like my life could have going either way, like, you know, yeah, like I, I'm very, very proud of what I've been able to achieve since, since college for sure. Yeah. I mean, in just having met you, I'm impressed with the work that you do and the resilience that you obviously demonstrated and like what could have gone so many different ways. If I, I lost a relative actually when I was in college, not to take away from your experience, but it, it derailed me much Mm -hmm. more than I thought it would have ever. And it was also not my parent. So if it had been a parent and if it had been a, you know, my only parent, like I, you know, I, I think my interpretation of how I would have handled that would have been a lot less um, manageable. Like college would not have, would have just like completely been on the back burner for me as I was like very, very in it um, mm-hmm. in terms of my grief and in that process. So if you could give any piece of advice to a young person that is 
I, I like to use the expression struggling, but I also think that that's open to interpretation. So I'd love to like, you know, if you want to give a specific population or a specific situation of a student that you feel like or kind of that emerging adult that you want to uh, give advice to, I'm going to put that ball in your court and let you take it away. But I think it's so important for us to explore what advice would you give? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, thanks. I think I think you you know pointed in a really important direction, which is success isn't cookie cutter at all. There isn't. It's not a one size fits all kind of idea. It's extremely subjective. And I think you know on that note, like I feel like you know success for me or advice that I would give to to someone else is to kind of remember that the path towards success and whenever that looks like for you is nonlinear. There's always going to be like successes, challenges along the way. Um, But the best thing I think to do would be to figure out in those successes and challenges, what works and what doesn't and how to move forward the best way that you can while being kind to yourself and resting. Um, I also think, um, I'm not sure if your listeners are familiar with the NAP ministry, but it's basically a, um, a platform or a space for radical rest, which is led by a black woman based in Chicago. And I think in this age of grind culture where, you know, oh, I have to like network or I have to like, you know, set up like four different internships and not get paid for them. And like, you know, all of these different things, like, Yes, those things are important if you want to set yourself up for whatever direction you want to go in. But you also have to rest because, you know, you only have one life. If you're an emerging adult, you hopefully have a really long one, right? Like the moment you start working or the moment you start like being an entrepreneur or whatever, that's never going to stop unless there's some like unforeseen event, unfortunately, which I hope doesn't happen. Um, But rest is really important uh, in the process. I would also kind of encourage, um, and this is something I speak about a lot about with my mentees, is to remember the strengths that you have and believe that you can accomplish what you want to. I think oftentimes, especially for people of color, and I can only speak as a Black woman who has these compounding intersecting identities, which are, you know, the the odds are always stacked against us, right? Um, But, you know, in remembering your strengths, it's always kind of, you know, like imposter syndrome is a real thing. And I think, uh, you know, trust your training, trust your instincts, trust your gut, and trust when you need help. Um, and so that's that's another thing that I would recommend. Um, I think people often like to point to making goals or having a five-year plan. I mean, I think that's fine, but it all seems really boring, to be honest. <laughs> it, it seems super boring to me. And it also seems like rigid. Um, and so, sure, like if you're a goal-oriented person, like feel free to do that. But also remember like that the process isn't linear and there are going to be hiccups. And in those hiccups, that's that's an opportunity for growth and learning just as your successes are. And so, yeah, I think I think all of those things, plus just remembering to be kind to yourself and resting, especially to, you know, young people of color who have so much 
more they have to navigate um, in life beyond kind of what they want themselves to be when they get older. Yeah, I love that. And then you also, you even mentioned just momentarily that you have some mentees. So I'm going to go out on a limb too and say like, you, you would probably be an advocate as well to recommend in that kind of category or lumping together all of those pieces of advice of like seek out a mentor and stay connected. Right. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I mentor for this organization called Black Professionals and International Affairs. Um, if you could guess, there are very few of us <laughs> there. <laughs> so mentoring is super important. Um, and, you know, my manager at work always says, like, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. So in that line of thinking, there are things that like other people have gone through and experienced when trying to navigate post-secondary life. And if you can draw from those experiences and make real connections um, with people that feed you and that you feed as well, because it is a two-way street, then that's definitely something to to look for. Um, It doesn't have to be, mentoring doesn't have to be this thing where you sign up for, you know, sign up through in a super formal, like rigid kind of organization way. Although that's great. It has its perks. It can also be friends or like aunts and uncles or teachers or whoever you kind of draw inspiration from. So I would definitely recommend, you know, mentoring. I have a mentor. Um, I mentor other people. Um, We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We maybe just have to, adjust it based on who we are and what we want to be in the world. Yeah, that's so important. So how can people connect with you? Sure. Um, I am available on Twitter at FemPolitics, um, F-E-M-M-E politics. It's a mix of obviously politics, political party stuff, which is what I work on at work, race identity politics. And then it's also like very ratchet at the same time. So (laughs) petty politics with like substance. Um, Please feel free to follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm also available on LinkedIn, um, which, you know, can be provided. And I also have a website, um, SarahETravis.com if you want to learn more about what I do professionally and then also, you know, connect with me on all the socials and via email. Awesome. And we'll make sure that all of those are actually linked in the podcast notes. So for those of you that might need to just click on it and go, like we'll make sure it's easily accessible. Um, Sarah, you are a fascinating human being. And I'm just so, so appreciative that you are willing to, to connect with me and share your story. Thanks. It's been great. Um, I'm looking forward. I've, I've started listening to your podcast. A friend of mine was also interviewed and I think you're doing a fantastic job. So continue your light and everything that you put out in the world. I think it's really important for people to hear these messages. Um, and I will, yeah, happy to always follow up with people if they reach out to me. I'm su- I try to be super accessible, but also, you know, remembering what I just said five minutes ago, resting is important. So if I don't respond, <laughs> if I don't respond in like a day, like give me two days because I'm practicing radical rest. Um, exactly. I was going to say, you have to practice your own message. Exactly. I feel like I need to actually own that as well. It's hard to do and it's a process, but but like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's important. It's important. Resting is important too. 
It is. Well, you heard it, folks. Reach out to Sarah, get connected. And if you don't immediately hear back from her, it's because she's taking her own advice. Thanks again. Thank you. That's it for this week's Success is Subjective episode. I want to thank my guest again for joining me this week and for being willing to share their story. This podcast would not exist if it weren't for people such as yourself. Stay tuned for our next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their personal story with the world. You can follow me on Instagram at Lily Consulting and on Facebook at Lily Consulting LLC. But most importantly, check out the resources on my website at www.lilyconsulting.com. If you're listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, please do me a favor and subscribe. Also, while you're there, if you would be so kind, leave me a review. You can also download to listen to the Success is Subjective podcast on other popular podcast apps such as Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Make sure you check out the show notes where you will find contact information, website details, and all social media for our guests. Once again, thank you to parenttrainers.com for sponsoring this podcast series. And thank you for tuning in. And remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it.